0: Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Alison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully, because there's no time to waste for all of us. Caroline Gleick is a professional ski mountaineer, an endurance athlete, and an activist for the environment and equality. Um, Caroline's been on the cover of like, every major ski magazine. She's been in award-winning films. Uh, she's summited some of the highest peaks in the world, including Everest, um, and she's the first woman to have skied all of the lines in the shooting gallery, which is in the Wasatch. Um, she's also a committed activist for social and environmental justice. Um, And her life has not been devoid of tragedy. Um, At 15, Caroline's half-brother died in an avalanche, and in 2014, her best friend Liz Daly met the same fate in Argentina. Um, And even as recently as last year, Caroline was forced to confront death on her Everest summit, um, which she courageously shares about during our conversation. But we also talk about gratitude, puppies, and taking a break from epic shit in 2020. (laughs) So here's Caroline Gleick to kick off season two. So welcome, Caroline Gleick, everyone. Woo! Yay! <laughs> welcome, Caroline. This is the No Time to Waste podcast. It's about reminding people all over the globe to maximize their moments um, and craft a life without regret by focusing on you know, uh, human connection, gratitude, and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually start by sort of talking about the hard thing that we all have as humans in confronting our own mortality. And I would assume someone like you with the kind of experiences that you have had climbing Everest, um, being a professional ski mountaineer, having spent basically a, pretty much your, your entire life in the mountains that you probably have, well, I guess I would ask like, um, you know, how have you, What's confronting mortality like? How have you had to? Have you gone through anything? Well, yeah. I
1: mean, before. I mean, before I lost my best friend Liz to an avalanche, when I was fifteen years old, my half brother was killed in an avalanche in Utah. Um, I lived in Minnesota at the time, and um, like at that time of my life, I was like a pretty. Uh, like cut off emotionally like I wasn't really good at showing my emotions like I had a lot of walls up and so I just remember like one of the first times I really had to confront death in a visceral way is like at his funeral they had an open casket and like I just remember seeing his hands and they were like completely bruised and battered from the avalanche and I kind of had like a mini I don't know I cried um I don't know, I struggled through my teenage years and then with my half brother like he had always been this person in my life who really taught me a lot about skiing and climbing and so it was really it's really hard to see um like yeah it was hard to see him like that you know because that's not how you, how I remembered him and I don't know like I feel like I'm not an expert I feel like i sh- I'm not like a I don't have a good handle on this. Like it's something I struggle
0: with immensely. Um, So
1: does anybody,
0: I I mean, the reality is, is like, I don't think you can, I don't think any of us can judge ourselves for how we quote handled or walked through things. Like, I don't think, I mean, that you were 15.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's, I don't think any of us as humans face, death or face the idea of our immortality until something tragic happens like that or like me we think we're invincible and we think we're you know superheroes and then we get a crazy illness or crazy diagnosis like I don't that I don't you don't deserve to to hear that
1: I feel like I should be asking you this question because I feel like, no. you're the, like you have a better handle on it. I don't know. I mean, I guess in some way there was some sense of closure seeing his body in a weird way yeah. because with my friend Liz, like, they were not able... I never got to say goodbye in a weird yeah. way. So yeah. I don't know. But seeing... I saw a lot of dead bodies on Everest and that was really confronting. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And that was just as
0: recent as last year.
1: Yeah. And one guy had just, I mean, everybody, I kind of hate to talk about it because it's like such yeah, a cliche yeah. that you see dead bodies on Everest, but just the, um, you know, the above 8,000 meters, like you just can't, Bring the bodies down. Like, it's very expensive and very, like, I mean, it's just hard to bend down and, like, put your crampon on, or, like, everything you do, you're out of breath. And so, body recovery efforts, and especially on the upper part of the mountain, it's like really rocky and, like, uh, it's like a ridge. So, it's not like you can just lower the body straight down. You have to take it along a ridge. So, the physics of it, the body retrieval. It's very expensive. And so I hate to talk about that fact of Everest, but I guess like the thing that I took away from it is it's like just a good, it's not a good, but a constant reminder of like the risk and to be really self-aware and to be checking in with yourself regularly to be like, how am I doing? Like, am I feeling okay? Am I hypothermic? And like, is my brain working like properly or am I starting to get, fumbly or you know all these different things and so I think it reminded me to check in with myself but I mean at the time I was like I want to turn around like I don't want to keep going it felt wrong and then I was like but these people they really wanted to be here and so then I sort of flipped it and I was like maybe we can keep going in their memory and to celebrate their lives and so I kind of had to like play some mental mind games up there because the first one that we saw he died the day before and they weren't able to move him from where he had fallen and it was just like we had to like touch him and like climb right next to him like we didn't have to climb
0: over him. oh my god
1: but it was really hard and I just felt like so much sadness and empathy and compassion but on the other hand it's like in so many ways in our lives we are extremely disconnected from death Like if someone dies in a car accident on the side of the highway, they cover the body, they whisk it away as soon as possible. Like Mm -hmm. if people had to see the consequences of like distracted driving or whatever, I think it makes you live differently. And so in that sense, yeah. Like I think people should have to, I don't think it should be so sanitized and like, I don't know, so separated, Yeah, you know, like I think that there was something to be said for like, having to climb right next to this man who had just fallen and died the day before, you know, because it's yeah. like, do like I don't know. Okay, so one of the things that helped me is to like, I guess like having that experience, losing my half-brother, losing my best friend Liz, and then just having to confront death and mortality. Yeah. Um, One of the things I did before I went to climb and ski choyu, which is the sixth highest peak in the world, is I like... Mm-hmm made a whole death plan with a lawyer and yep. like even though i don't own that many things and like yeah. i don't have that much savings or value um i still like didn't oh it was the recommendation of liz's fiance he was like "I re- you, you read yeah you mentioned make, this yeah. you should make like a plan so that it's not a question mark for your loved ones if or right. when you pass away and so I guess that helped me to like really think through all the details. And like, it's something I would highly encourage people, even if they like live out of their van, like, I don't know. I just encourage people like once you, especially once you get to like, you know, your late twenties or early thirties, just so I think it's even younger, you know, it's the responsible thing to do so that your family doesn't have to guess when they're grieving.
0: And like, the thing is I, so I do know about that stuff intimately because now that I have this, Uh, terminal cancer diagnosis like I have I have literal like appointments with people about like what my medical wishes are um, you know how I want how I want things financially to work how do I you know uh, there's so many details writing a living will having a living trust like and The hard part, I think, for probably a lot of people is, I don't want to think about that, right? Death anxiety is a real thing. We as humans, even though we know rationally and we accept rationally that none of us are immortal, like not one of us, and that death is going to be something that transcends race and socioeconomic status and religion and creed and everything else, right? The ability for us as humans to wrap our heads around it and be okay with it, it goes against our survival instincts. And as a result, it's natural for us to basically avoid the topic completely, right? Mm -hmm. So for those 20s and 30 somethings, when you're like, oh, if you guys are in your 20s and 30s, like, yeah, you should make like a death plan. And you should like, most would be like, hell no, I don't wanna think about that, right? Um, And I think it's only until most people get older that, or if they have kids, that they have to actually start thinking about, well, what if something happened to me? How do I set my family up for, so that they're okay? How do I, should I buy life insurance? Like should, you know, all these like questions. And I, I think for most people, unless they're older or they have kids, they're the only reason that they are going to allow themselves to think about the idea that at some point they will die and one out of ten people will die tragically, meaning like had no idea, a lot younger than expected, like like that, right? That's a terrifying thought. And as a result, people will be like, the only way they'd accept it is if something awful happened to someone in their circle, right? Or they were basically dealt a shitty hand medically, and you know have a have an illness. Um, When I think about the three examples that you gave, right? Of your half-brother dying in an avalanche. um, I had read about Liz and watched the Patagonia film with you and Liz when you were in Alaska, right? Before she passed away. And then now you talking about Everest, like your ability to just sort of talk about death like this is, to me says you must have done a lot of work internally, like inside to emotionally process some of this stuff, because this is like really, really tough stuff.
1: I guess it's just kind of my personality, I think, because I'm always just the kind of person who like overshares things. Like I give out way too much information because it makes me feel better. And because I am so emotionally sensitive that if I am thinking something and I don't say it, it like bugs me. Like I don't yeah. like it when people sweep things under the rug and I I like want to say the thing, you know, like I'm really um kind of like my dog, you know, I'm really sensitive to people's energy and I'm like deeply empathetic. And so yeah. it's very like cleansing for me to just put it all out on the table. And I think because when I was a kid, like I did repress a lot of things. So yeah. as an adult, I'm like, I just don't want to do that. I just want to talk about it and I want to learn and I'm curious and Also, just emotionally, like, I just, I can't, I'm not good at holding things in anymore.
0: I don't want to. Which is, but you shouldn't, I was going to say, don't, don't assign a negative value to that. That's a, that's a great thing.
1: Sometimes it's good to think before you speak a little bit. Maybe it's something Well, like, like
0: maybe. You're yeah. I mean, you're talking to probably the wrong person about that. Because I too you know, sometimes overshare.
1: Yeah. And it's like you know, the like religion and then also I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota and Midwest yeah. culture, you know, it's like you just carry on and you have a good you put on a good face and and that doesn't
0: work for me. The thing is though, that shouldn't work for really anybody. It will help keep, it will help keep anybody in the bubble of like that sort of fake superficial perspective. But if you're going to be real and like authentic and emotionally healthy, like you should have an emotional reaction to things, you know? And And I think it's, it's great to be able to, with people that you trust, right? Like be able to share that with people because that's, those are the binds Those are the connections that bind us as humans.
1: Or random people on the internet.
0: (laughs) Or random people on the internet. Or like that guy. Like your Uber driver. Whatever. Whatever. Um, Yeah. Whatever. So, you know, if I go back then a couple years to I guess it was now 2014. um, with Liz, you know this is this is your best friend. I mentioned the Patagonia video that I watched where you guys were skiing in Alaska. Um, it was really um, it was I appreciated getting feeling like I got to know her a little bit through that video. It was cool to see the interaction and the connection that you guys had. Um, it also made me sad. It also made me uh, sad for her, sad for you, and if I'm honest, sad for me. Yeah. because I go man like I am uh I'm gonna be Liz at some point um and then of course I went to like well I bet she'd like snowboard with me in heaven and like we would yeah. like rage together she seems super cool
1: you would um, have an awesome dance party. right we
0: would uh, we would so have a great dance fun. party she is yeah. so fun I yeah. don't know <laughs> she is so fun and, and like what um God, having gone through what you went through at 15, and then to turn around at, you know, 30 or less than, younger than 30, and go, oh my God, like, was there a part of you that was like, how did this happen again? I
1: mean, to be honest, like, over the course of my career as a professional skier, I've probably known like over two dozen people who have died. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, two of my best friends both lost their partners, one boyfriend, one husband. It was really shocking when Liz died. And I think that I'm still processing it because it's only oh, been boy. six years. It's not that long. It was like yeah. surreal, like I couldn't cry because it yep. felt fake almost. And yep. um, it just takes a lot of time. But I think for me, what helps is to remember her and to share her story and to yeah. never forget her, like, and my half-brother Martin and all these great people, like my friend Billy Poole, who I was just talking about. Um, For yep. me, it helps me to, like, remember things about them and look at photos. And it's sad, but I don't want to forget all the cool things they shared with me and how they inspired me. And, like, I guess that's the way I feel like I can honor them and celebrate
0: them and that they can live on. I think mean, that's great. As someone who is spending too much time right now, although I'm working very hard at it, I'm doing headspace, but as someone who um, is thinking about my own death a lot recently, and when's it going to happen and what's it going to look like and who's going to be there and what's going to happen after and just everything. um, Hearing you describe what you try and do for those people that you've lost, speaking from their perspective, you know, I, I would think that that's how that that's how I want to be known I want people to celebrate me and basically have a, like a party in my honor <laughs> and yeah. you know and like do fucking cool dance sh- and like do cool shit yeah and like cool do, like shit. don't let my legacy like fade and keep it going and and so I think that's a great perspective you know how <laughs> I know it's weird right now with the pandemic but like you know nothing's gonna last forever the pandemic's gonna shift and evolve and change and we'll get a vaccine and we'll start to travel again at some point since since everest even last year like in confronting death with martin and with liz and then recently like is there do you think about your mortality now when you're on a ridge or when you're about to head down or when you're ascending something super gnarly, like does it cross your mind or do you just, does that, is that just not helpful thinking at that point?
1: Yeah. I think about it all the time. And with the pandemic, it's been really hard for me to take risks. And with losing people, like after I lost Liz, it was really hard for me to want to go and do like, like I still wanted to go skiing, but I didn't want to go dangle from ropes off cliffs for like a year or two it took me some time and right now that's where I'm at like I'm really happy just like running on a really mellow trail like through some meadows or like just checking out the leaves or the the flowers or like yeah I just um my appetite for like a big exposure or uh, it's just not really there right now and so and I think that's okay like it'll come and with my ACL too um you know, and I think if I had fallen and crashed a little differently and hit a tree, I think about that a lot too. And it could have, like, I'm, sometimes it sucks that, you know, I had, like, a big chunk of my hamstring cut out and made for my ACL, but then I'm like, oh, God, yeah. it could have been so much worse. Like, I'm really grateful that it was just what it is. And I don't want to compare my injury to anyone. I don't know. It's like, I don't want to go down that. But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, even just today I was out, doing like a ridge traverse on this kind of mellowish ridge, but there was some loose rock. There's a lot of loose rock. And it's Mm -hmm. just like I sometimes like like I pulled off a big chunk of rock and it like tumbled down the mountain and I'm like, that could be me. And I get like a moment of PTSD where I'm just like. Totally. I kind of just like, it's super hard. Like I hate that feeling.
0: You're like, I don't have to be traversing the intense fear and post-traumatic stress. But then it's like, you know what? Like the simpler things like the calm, the ratcheting down the intensity for a period of time, which is what it sounds like you're talking about. Like you'll, you'll, things will ebb and flow. You'll get back into maybe like, but I'm sure you'll start to crave it over time. But right now your system is like, you know what? There's a lot of shit going on right now for everybody. And it's freaking traumatizing just to exist in the world right now, like to add all of the other trauma that you've experienced that you talked about, and then add the physical heightened sense of risk. Like your system's probably saying like, I like just want to stop and take a picture of those wildflowers, you know, or like, why don't we just like hang on this like local trail instead of like driving six hours to go hit that ridge line and then belay in and move it like yeah. maybe it's just every time for everybody to just freaking because i think our systems is like global humans are just real taxed right now
1: yeah adrenal fatigue for sure. Yes,
0: cortisol, adrenal, yeah.
1: But I have a question for you, and tell me if this—if you don't feel comfortable asking this—but is there any part of you that is like, I want to go
0: skydive or like do crazy stuff, like? That's a very good question. Um, initially, I didn't because I basically, after the brain surgery, was so grateful that that was successful, and I thought that I had like narrowly missed a cancer resurgence and because i had a clear scan i thought that the cancer was going to be gone for a really really long time and as a result i would sit on my porch here which i was just experiencing kind of for the first time because we bought this house in april but my brain was effed thank you my brain was i had a brain tumor the size of a lemon and apparently i was like a vegetable in april before my surgery so i hadn't even really like enjoyed the house and I was sitting on the torch the by myself. And like, I was in a very like mellow recovery phase from the brain surgery. I couldn't run. And I would just sit outside with, with Bertie and, and with Cooper at the time and just go like, please universe, just like leave me alone. I'll never forget. I was like, please leave me alone. I don't want to do, I don't need to do any more epic shit. I just want my sweet, simple life Here in my little tiny house in Boulder on my little gingerbread porch, please just leave me alone. Like I promise I won't ask for anything. I don't need to travel anymore. I don't need to do epic shit. Like, please just leave me alone. And I would say that then when we found out the cancer was back, part of me was still in that mode. But then I think in the last couple weeks, you talked about how surreal stuff like my this whole situation the last two months has been really surreal and I've been able to like move forward with everything I've been doing quickly and because I've just been it's been a way of staying distracted that was a long that was a long answer that's a
1: great answer I appreciate you thank you
0: thank you so much I appreciate you stepping in as the podcast host for a second hopefully we can take make some turns together Dude, I would love that. I mean, Colorado is not Utah pal, but I mean, it's not bad over here. No. A couple more questions. Basically, not talking about death, talking about life, talking about living our best life, right? And you're someone who your spirit, your energy, it just, I can imagine if I met you in person, I would describe it as like, you light up the room, right? And that is pretty incredible, especially seeing that it's not like your life has not been without tragedy and loss. Right. How do you, what do you like, what is no time to waste living? Like there's no time to waste. Like, what does that mean to you now?
1: Um, well, I mean, I do go, I I do get kind of moody sometimes, so I don't think I'm always the kind of person who lights up the room. Sometimes I have my moments. Um, so, I think the same way about you though I mean you have like a very magnetic and bubbly personality and so um so I think that I guess like you know with all the loss I just feel like those the people that I've lost they wouldn't want me to stop doing the things that I'm doing and that they taught me or showed me and that they were so inspired to do and so I guess it's, like, making goals and, um, like, for me, when I set a goal or, like, if I have a big dream and I'm training for it and I'm, like, putting all the pieces in place, it makes all mm-hmm. the other elements of my life that much better. Mm-hmm. So it kind of just, like, sets the other pieces in place and then it gives me hope, I guess, too, so.
0: And it's I- interesting because I, I feel like it's you – also just talked about how like for you living like there's no time to waste it doesn't always have to mean epic shit
1: yeah right it can be like
0: like running around the block or like my, fostering my puppy
1: and yes
0: adopting Adopting, doing a puppy photo shoot yeah it's like finding joy in everything
1: totally and just being curious and yeah yeah I guess and like And continuing to honor and celebrate my friends and my family and everyone. Yeah. To make sure sure. to take time. Yeah. And choose love, you know? Like with the puppy, I loved her so much. And I was like, you're going to take a lot of time and money and you're going to affect my workplace productivity. But it's so worth it.
0: That's connection. It's connection, right? To like animals, to nature, to other people that when people talk about being on their deathbed and having regrets, like... The regrets are never around. I spent too much time with the people I love, right? It's things like I wish I didn't work as much. Um, I wish I had kept in touch with my friends better. Like it's those things. And you seem like somebody that that really gets it. Um, we talked about your experiences, you know, with tragedy and loss and mortality. Legacy awareness is basically, you know, the closer you get to death, um, the more you think about as a human being what you want to leave behind when you're gone and basically how to leave this world a better place than, than what you found it. Um, when you think about your personal legacy, what do you want to be known for?
1: I mean, I think about this sometimes and I think, um, you know, more than like any mountain or any, like, checklist of goals like i want to be remembered for someone who inspired people to get outside and to experience nature and then to protect the environment Mm -hmm. yeah and then also as an advocate for equality because like the way i see it sorry sorry excuse me um so to be an advocate for the environment and for equality because I think those two things are really linked. Like we are nature and especially the way we conceptualize nature as a mother and as a woman, like we really need to do a lot of work in society to um, improve the status of women and girls and mothers. And yeah, not just, um, yeah. So that's that's what I wanna keep working on.
0: Awesome. And when it comes to the climate, I think we can just, you and I can agree, like we can just encourage everyone to get out and vote. Yes. Go vote, um, go check out uh, your Instagram, which is Caroline Gleick, um, and uh, learn a little bit more about kind of, I think your platform and the things that you really stand for. Um, I really can't tell you how grateful I am that you were willing to do this um, cause this has just been, this has just been a treat, a huge Likewise. treat.
1: Likewise. Yeah. I feel so honored and it's been awesome to learn more and hear more about your stories. And I really hope we can
0: make some turns together this winter. I am looking forward to that. I'm going to hold you to it. And, um, I just want to thank you again for, uh, being so vulnerable and so open about you your too. experiences yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I think your message and your stories are really going to help people. And that's what this is all about. So you
1: too, yeah, thank you so much for yeah being so open and having these conversations that a lot of people of don't want to have. So yeah, I really appreciate yeah. it. Awesome.
0: I'll awesome. well, Have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening. For more, head to no com. Follow us on Instagram at no project, Subscribe. And tell your friends, there's no time to waste.